podcast one production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Midwife Kath, we're talking pre-pregnancy planning? Yes, fantastic. And we have Sue here with us again, Dr. Sue. Our Dr. Sue Hiscock, behind the curtain with Kath. (laughs) Kath Curtin. Kath Curtin, oh dear. (laughs) What a good name. Yeah, that's right. Pre-pregnancy planning, what are we talking about? Well, it's about uh, talking about some planning for women who haven't had a baby or who are obviously wanting to or trying. And there are a lot of women who are feeling pretty lonely out there just trying 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 not knowing not whether they do. should yeah mm. whether they should come and see an obstetrician gynecologist should they have tests done you know should they do they need a blood test to see if they're ovulating you know okay. yeah um i think first of all i think pre pregnancy planning is brilliant and we don't do enough of it um, I think there are things people come to see me when they're pregnant and they don't know about the screening tests that are available that you can do before you have a baby. And there are things that, you know, for example, um, we should do a blood test. You should do a blood test before you are pregnant to check your immunities. You know, are you immune to rubella? Are you immune to chickenpox? Um, do you have thalassemia? Do you uh, do you need a measles vaccination? Do you what's your blood group? And if your blood group's a negative blood group, we need to check your partner's blood group. So, a blood test to check all the because if, for example, you're not immune to chickenpox, um, you need to be vaccinated and wait three months before you try. Uh, rubella, if you're not immune to rubella, you need to be vaccinated and wait at least a month or at least a cycle before you try. What about the blood test that you were referring to, the negative blood test, uh, blood, uh, blood type? Sorry, yes. Um, if you there are women have different, well, people have different blood groups. There, there are A, B, A, B or O, um, and there's also positive or negative. And you can, if it's positive, it's the presence of an antibody that sits on the outside of the red blood cells. So where people either have this antibody or they don't have this antibody. If you don't have this antibody, you have what's called a negative blood group. If you have a negative blood group and you're female and you're pregnant, it can have impacts on the baby because if your partner has a positive blood group, which the baby will have either positive or negative blood group. If your mother is negative or as the pregnant woman is negative and the baby is positive, it means that the baby has the blood type that's different to your own um, and baby's blood can leach through to the mother's blood group and the mother can get antibodies to it. And so the baby can be affected. Years ago, Mm. there was this thing called um, rhesus isoimmunisation. So until they realised what it was and until they worked out how to fix it Mm. or how to prevent it, babies died. Mm. Um, And I I remember talking to a woman who'd had 11 pregnancies and only three live babies because the other babies had died because of this rhesus isoimmunisation. So if you're thinking about having children, you You should check it. So so you check to see what your blood group is. And if you're a negative blood group, check your partner. Yeah. and if your partner is also a negative blood group, fantastic. If you're a positive blood group, it doesn't matter. If you're a negative blood group and your partner's a positive blood group, it means that when you're pregnant, you need to have a couple of regular injections of a thing called anti-D, which is uh, made from the plasma of amazing women who turn up every 
few months, months weeks, yeah. and and have yeah. blood taken out of or plasma taken from their blood uh, to to give women injections to stop them making this these antibodies. Well, that's something. So if you we can actually go and give blood and, and help out. Oh, if mm. you these women have been giving. Oh, you give blood absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, these these women who have blood taken are amazing women who actually got rhesus isomunisation when they were younger, and they were the women that lost babies that, yeah. that turn up every on a regular basis to give plasma to make sure that women of our age don't have to go through, go through what, what they, they went through. through. Mm. Everyone really should, should have blood that. Group. Yeah. Do, but have your blood group done and have a blood test. Now, whether you see a gynaecologist or a GP, I think probably a gynaecologist or someone who you hope to have your baby with would be a good thing to do because they can make sure that your pap test is up to date. Yeah. They can do all those blood tests to make sure that your immunities are sorted. They can talk about genetic screening. There's a screening um, that you can do when you're not pregnant, which is offered through the uh, research arm of the Children's Hospital, and it's to check to see if you're a carrier for cystic fibrosis, fragile X, or spinal muscular atrophy. And they are three common genetic mutations that can impact profoundly on babies. No. So that we can find, you can mm. find out before you're pregnant if you're a carrier for one of those three. Uh, and if you are a carrier, you can then check your partner to see if he's a carrier. Uh, and if you're both carriers, it gives you an opportunity to talk to someone about IVF so that you won't pass on that gene to your baby. That's mm. incredible. So this yeah. is all pre-pregnancy pre planning. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. And then we can talk to women about being healthy, eating well. Uh, vitamins. And all the pre-pregnancy yep. vitamins like um, the regular pregnancy multivitamins that are available, um, avoiding the a lot of the medications that are um, proposed to be fabulous for creating babies which don't do anything uh, and also talking about fertile times and so know when you when you can possibly get pregnant so that you're educated about when your fertile times are. I've, I have a lot of women who have, can't get pregnant and that's because they're not having sex at the right mm. time and they didn't know that you're only fertile for one or 24 hours a month mm. um, and that Brooke. sperm, yeah, sperm lasts three to five days. So, in a whole month, a woman is only fertile for twenty-four hours, and probably only, can only get pregnant three days in the whole of the month. And there are women that don't know when that day is. It's not long. 24 hours. I've got to put my hand up. I didn't know it was 24 mm. hours. Because yep. then you look and think how unlucky all those young girls were. All those <laughs> You've got got. Oh, I yes. Mean, so you but also... Like, the... My luck. I know. And and the the, uh, the other thing that's it's fascinating, you have women that will say, well, I, I, you know, I'm, have, I'm having sex... You know, having sex once a month, why aren't I pregnant? Well, it's, it's just not that time, <laughs> not time of the month. <laughs> and the other thing that's fascinating is if, you know, in your, if you're in your 20s and you decided you want to try and get pregnant, if you, if you have sex with your partner on the day that you ovulate and everything is fine, your, your pregnancy rate, your, your success rate is something like between 20 and 25% each month. So it's not 100%. When you're in your 20s. Mm. And so that declines and as you get into your 30s. As at 40, it's 5% every month. Wow. So even if you're even if you're having sex on the right day and all the ducks are lined up in a row, at forty your chance of getting a pregnancy each month is only five percent. That is phenomenal. Mm. So start early. Yeah. Yeah, right. If you Brooke. want kids, start early. Which brings me on to the IVF issue. You know, it, it's it um because a lot of women are starting later, mm -hmm. um, it's 
they start the pre-pregnancy trail about 30, 35, and then they get on to 40 and... Suddenly they're not pregnant. Yeah. I know. And it's, and they, and it's almost like, well, we can't have it all. That's the problem. We we have this illusion that we can have anything we want whenever we want and we can't. Mm. Our fertility starts to drop drastically after 37. And and when we hit 40, as I said, it's only 5% each month. Um, there, so really, depressingly, you can't have it all. You might have it one after the other, but you can't have everything. What about freezing your eggs? eggs. This is something that a lot of my friends are doing at the moment. Okay. Mm. it's uh, It's something that is getting better. Mm. It only started probably... Well, I'd be guessing maybe 10 years ago, maybe a bit longer. Uh, the, they're getting better at freezing the eggs until relatively recently the, the process of what they froze them in and how they kept them wasn't very successful so that as they thawed, they didn't make it. Oh. Um, so things have got better. So in the last probably uh, 12 months, you then a lot more confident about freezing eggs and having success later. They say you need probably at least 16 to 20 eggs to be frozen mm. um, and that, that would be at least two cycles in your 20s to super stimulate your eggs, your ovaries, so that you get maximum um, eggs to freeze. So you're talking at least two cycles in your 20s. But if you're 40, you might only get two or three two or three eggs a cycle. And then how many of those? How many actually, of those are any good? That's right. Um, by the so, time, yeah, yeah, by the so, time they... Um, the, the, by the time those eggs go through the process, they don't like they don't do not, as well. No, um, not to be discouraging, so, but so it can happen. It, it can, can happen. happen. Yeah. it can be done. Um, the, the there are specialist people in Melbourne that do it. They're they're a lot happier about how it's working. Uh, but it's costing a bit. You know, I think we're talking eight grand um, a pop. Uh, and I think what the you need a doing? couple of cycles. Well, it's it's quite an XE business, and it's quite um, and they. They said so you've got to get enough cycles to get 16 to 20 eggs to be fairly confident that you'll get one to get one or maybe two babies. What's involved with the process, Sue, do you know? Like it's, it's super, certainly you need to, it's more than just standard IVF. There's specialist IVF uh, people that do this mm. uh, and it involves you taking medications over a period of some weeks to force your your ovaries to ovulate as many eggs as possible or to get almost mature eggs and then they um, do with a tiny little ultrasound guided needle from through the back wall of your vagina, which sounds gross but actually is okay, um, to, to harvest as many eggs as possible. Um, sometimes when I've seen people who are, for example, having treatment for breast cancer, uh, they can shave a tiny bit of uh, ovary off and they can save, shave a little, save a little bit of the ovary as well. Right. Mm. And re-implant it afterwards. That, that, that incredible. Mm. Well, the science is incredible. So, I mean, yeah. it's obviously the reality as you get older, it's harder, but um, the option, you know, it can. The option's can. getting there. I mean, 10 years ago, the answer was no. Yeah. Now it's yes, but it's expensive um, and you need lots of eggs. And I think in another five years, the answer will be better again. But I wouldn't I wouldn't rely on it because uh, I think if you, if you want kids, you know you're going to have to do something earlier rather than later. Mm. Can I ask, I know that you, this is so familiar ground for you both, but what does just general um, IVF involve? The problem with IVF is that, that there's many ways of getting IVF and there's many um, processes for IVF. For example, if a woman had um, blocked tubes from being um, from younger, from an infection perhaps, then that's easy because they just harvest the sperm, um, harvest the egg and just simply put them back together and insert it into the vagina. 
and into through the cervix, I should say. That's straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ways. So if, for example, there are some women who don't ovulate very well and so you need medication to make them ovulate, whether it's injections or tablets. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you need, uh, you know, uh, laparoscopies or hysteroscopies, which is um, operations to tidy things up, so to speak. Um, so a lot of men have dodgy sperm uh, and so that would involve uh, taking them. Helping the sperm, you know, the tails are dodgy, but the the heads of the sperm have got everything you want in them. They uh, literally inject the heads of the sperm into the egg, um, and that's a thing called ICSI. Uh, it's amazing what they're doing. Mm. Even the the process of IVF, it's not always successful, is it? No, no. So um, and it's very de- through, demeaning. Yeah, um, yeah. Women have said to me that it's not it's not cheap. Um, it's they feel like they're a number. Um, Just being prodded and processed. And also women, couples can go through cycles and years of this. It's it's very expensive and it's hard on a relationship. It can be. To to get a baby. I suppose it's all that waiting too, like are we, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and every cycle, you know, are we having a baby, are we pregnant? And then that letdown of, you know... We're not having a baby because it's, you know, when when you're trying for a baby and then yeah. you find out you're having a, a, you know, you look at a test or you know you're pregnant, it's like, oh, well. But having a phone call saying, oh, sorry, you know, your numbers aren't good, it's mm. pretty hard, isn't it? Oh, it's, you know, it's a very draining it's process. It's very clinical, isn't it? Sir? And it becomes, they stop having sex for fun and they start be- becoming yes, focused. You're right. That's, um, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. Business time. It's all it's, clinical. It's all yeah. clinical. And, and mm. I think I've seen relationships break up yep. because of the stress of trying to do it. Yeah, um, and that's hard. And I've seen women who finally got pregnant and uh, their relationship broke up either just after they were pregnant or just after they had the baby because of the whole pressure of trying to get the baby for the baby's sake. Exactly. And you know how last series we talked about the fantasy and reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, our expectations are just fantasy. The fantasy of of having the baby, and they try and try and try, and so many cycles they try, and then having the baby, then. It's actually the same as all of us. It's hard work. It's bloody hard work. (laughs) And they actually expect it's going to be fantastic and everyone, all their problems are going to be solved. Well, it's actually exactly the same. Yeah. And I I would agree. There's a lot. I think postnatal depression is very um, profound Mm. in women like that because they control, the people who control their lives and they, you know, successful business women who decide they're going to have a baby um, and whether they've needed IVF or they've finally had a baby and they can't control this. Mm. This is a chaos mm. and they, they really struggle. Yeah. So what do we do? I mean, if, if you, I mean, look, I'm, I'm almost 40. I'm in my late 30s. Um, you don't look it. Oh, that's why I love her so much. Get you your glasses. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but you know, so if you, if you, if so what's the first step? I'm, I'm thinking about having children, which I'm not. You'll freak my family out. But mm-hmm. you're thinking you'd like to have children. You, you go to your GP. You go to your gynecologist. That's the first step. You have your blood tests. You, I, I would uh, go to, I would go to a gynecologist if you were close to forty. I'd say go to a gynecologist. Not necessarily go to IVF straight away. I'd go to a gynecologist and say, what am I? Do-? You know, am I, am I ovulating? There are tests that give you a rough idea of the quality of your eggs. Um, There are a few tests that you can see to see how things are going. You do have to have a, a sperm donor of one form or another um, and... <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> oh, I'm just, just asking the question. Just Kath, um, make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 
you know, for example, I wouldn't necessarily go to IVF because uh, people go to IVF and I've asked them why they went and they said, oh, because well, I tried for six months, I couldn't get pregnant, so the GP referred me to IVF. Yeah, well, if, a- you go, if you go to IVF, I, I tell people it's like going to, you know, I had one woman who's quite angry at me because the IVF, not at me, but yeah. angry at the fact that she'd been to IVF and she was given IVF. And I said, well, if you walk into a butcher shop, the kind yes. of the expectation is that they're going to sell you meat. Yeah. Um, and so if you go to IVF, the expectation is that they're going to sell you IVF yeah. and that you, the reason you've gone to them is that you want that. Mm. Um, and a lot of women don't get the fact that a lot of them don't need IVF. They just need time, education. Mm-hmm. They need education so they know where their fertile times are and they need time. Mm. If they know that it only, you know, you've only got a 20% chance each month of getting pregnant, it might take a year. Mm. That's why I start early. If you're young and fabulous and fertile and it's not kind of happening for you, like mm. what, uh, is that a common thing or yes. do we, it is? Yes. What, what, what's, what's, how common and what are the reasons? Uh, look, I don't know the percentages, but I see a lot of women who literally they've been trying for, you know, six or 12 months and they're not pregnant and they're getting more and more distressed about it. Mm. Um, and I think being referred to a gynecologist or obstetrician is a good start uh, so that simply education, just going through when their fertile times are, um, just making sure that they're ovulating, making sure that the husband's sperm count or partner's sperm count is is good, making, you know, simple, basic things like that. Mm. Uh, I would say probably about a third of the people who come to see me just get pregnant with education. Mm. And geez, it's a lot cheaper than IVF. Absolutely, and and yeah. understanding your body. Yep. Temperature rising. Yep. When, mucus. When, mucus. When you know when you're feeling sort of more like sex. You know, there's there's times that your body gives you the signs. Yeah. No, that's right. I don't. Th- I don't know that it does. It gives you mucus, but I don't know that it actually gives you the. Most women don't necessarily. I don't, it may be different for different women. But okay. Well, um, most women we'll don't notice. Outside. They don't know. <laughs> they don't notice when they're ovulating. Maybe they're too busy. And I some women get a bit of pain so that they, they avoid sex because they, they've got twingy pain on one side or the other, mm. which is actually showing ovulation. that they've ovulated. Yeah, that's right. Um, they don't notice their mucus changes, so they don't notice their body changes um, and so that they miss that, that kind of 24-hour window. Okay, so is there a formula to work out your 24-hour window? If you're at home now, is it, is it, can we just sit down? <laughs> there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of ways. We, First of all, get, there's a few good apps that you can download that document when you're fertile time, document when your period is mm-hmm. so that if you start tracking how many, how long your cycles are, so from first day to first day of each of your periods, if you look at uh, working out your dates, you're, you will be fertile 14 days before your period. Now, if you have regular 28-day cycles, and boy, that happens once, yeah. um, then you, it's day 14. But if your cycles range from you know, 28 to 32, then you're going to be fertile somewhere between day 14 and day 18. So if the more fat information you have about your own body, the better. There's this great um, uh, book called The Billings Method, uh, which is the fantastic... Oh, sorry, I, I'm having flashbacks. What do they used to call it? The withdrawal method or something? No, no, no. no, no that's no, the, no, that's right. the way to get you pregnant when you think you're, <laughs> think you're having a contraception. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry it's right, called right, the ovulation right. method. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a fantastic book written by the um, Dr Billings, Dr yeah. John and Evelyn John and, Billings. Yeah. They, in fact, were living in Melbourne and I went to school with one of their mm. daughters. Um, they were amazing. They did the training many years ago. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. couple or brothers? Husband and wife. Husband and wife, yeah. Uh, they designed this fantastic or realised this system that you were able to work out when you were ovulating based on mucus changes. The mucus sort of 
starts to get uh, wetter as you head towards your day of ovulation. You can actually, they describe changes in the in, in your mucus and the day that you have maximum, which is that 24 hours, mm. is you actually release this mucus that's like egg white mm. and sticky and egg white um, and you can see it. Uh, some people can't see it easily and other people it's very obvious. Uh, and then the day after you ovulate, your mucus changes completely and stays the same until you get your period. So if you track the mucus changes, it was originally designed for contraception in third world countries because they couldn't afford, you know, they have their ninth child mm. and they couldn't afford contraception. So it was as Catholics, they were trying to give them something they called a natural method of um, mm. family planning. Mm. But in one of the chapters, it talks about um, how to do it in reverse so that to get pregnant. Uh, and so you, by tracking your mucus, you can see that maximum day um, and other women get other symptoms like twingy pain or they might get a bit of bloody stained mucus um, or they might get breast changes or they might get, I've had women with urinary frequency the day they ovulate so that you can learn changes to your body. And the day that you ovulate is also a, there's another, there's a method called the temperature method, which talks about the, your progesterone in the first half of your cycle is low. Mm. And the day you ovulate, your progesterone starts to increase and it actually increases your body temperature by about a degree. Do so you feel you, it? Yeah, well, you can, and if, it's not if, if, for some women, if you talk to, to a lot of women, and they say, "I'm really, really, really cold," you know those days when you feel really cold. I say to them, "Are you getting your period?" They go, "Actually, yes, I'm getting my period." Mm. Just prior to your period, your, your body temperature drops, your progesterone drops. Yeah, your progesterone drops, and mm. your body temperature drops. So. Um, it's actually knowing and understanding what you, what what your body is, how your body changes through the month, and it's mm. really tuning into your body and seeing how you, how your mucus changes, how your body temperature your changes, goes up. how how you how you actually you, even your sexual desire changes during the month. All these signs, I mean, you two are just like rattling them off, like this happens and this happens. If you were wanting to 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 kind of look at more information, do you go online or do you just oh, get an app? go online, go that's and, dodgy. Go and talk. Um, to, the, the, um, the thing I would say about the apps is that I read this great study that looked at all of the apps that were predictive of fertile times and 77% of them were accurate, which means 23% of them were dodgy. Mm. So it, I wouldn't trust the apps. Any of the apps are great to document your periods and document uh, document when you have sex so that you can figure out are you having sex at the right time. But I wouldn't trust it to predict when you're fertile because they're so inaccurate. Mm. 24 hours, go and see a gynecologist, get a bit of a... Get a bit of a heads up. A bit of heads up. Mm. Mm-hmm. This pre-pregnancy planning is complex. Mm. Mm. And, and just as Sue said... I thought it was a couple of vodkas in a... <laughs> And a yeah, there's that as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get, and then a holiday. That's how you get pregnant. Yeah. And, and and not letting anyone say, just relax. Yeah. Oh, uh, just relax. Yeah. That's the worst, isn't it? Oh, you're shocking. And depressingly, it actually is true that women who are stressed um, tend not to ovulate as well. And I think it's a natural survival. Again, back when you're in the jungle being chased by a lion, you're not going to ovulate. Um, and so I think when you're stressed like we all are in this environment, you're not going to ovulate. Mm. And you, if, if you do, you're not going not to ovulate as well. It's a catch-22 though, isn't it? 
you, you, this is something you both, you and your partner, really want, and then, and then it becomes that thing that snowballs, and you get quite stressed about it. Yes. But it, you can't de-stress. It yeah, it makes it worse. Yeah. So it's I don't know. And then you get done well, many people saying just relax. Yeah. And everyone asking, you're having a baby. Having How's it going this yeah. month? Yeah, that's right. How yeah. So res- when you when you're a boyfriend girlfriend, like when you're getting married, when you get yeah. married, and when you have children, yeah. Um, it's it's like leave people alone. They'll yeah. do their own thing. Exactly. Do we yeah. need to know how to respond to those questions? Is it just like mind your own damn business? Yeah. No, um, no well, I was asked that once by my boss. And oh, I, really? And I said, oh, I'm sterile. <laughs> Good fun, Sue. I've got to tell you, I, I, it worked. I've never seen anyone so embarrassed in all his life. <laughs> Head spinning? Yeah. So <laughs> never I just, ask that again. Certainly it's illegal to ask now, but there, there are ways I'm yeah. sure people ask. Sure. But just just lie. Seriously, just yeah. terrible, isn't it? Yeah. The things you two tell each other <laughs> and all of us, we're learning bad habits. Uh, yeah, no, it's Sue a, that's a good bad habit. Kath Curtin, uh, midwife Kath. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sue. Okay. It's been fantastic today. Been Absolutely amazing. amazing. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. A Podcast One production.